Hello, I'm Jake, and when I was a younger man in the mid-2000s, having just been married and having exactly zero children to yet contend with, I didn't have as many important decisions and anxieties to deal with as I feel I do now. But one of the most genuinely pressing things on my mind at the time was how best to construct mixed CDs for people in my life, and even more pressing than that, how I could come off as hip as humanly possible while also introducing something my intended listener might not have heard before, and even more pressing than that was which song to use from this very original soundtrack album we're talking about today on this podcast, which was newish at the time. Would it be the opening gambit, Sous les Ponts, with its under-the-freeway-found sound aesthetic and delightful elderly swinging gals? Would it be Belleville Rendezvous, the French version, with its hot 30s French guitars and popped-up stomping dance beats? Should I instead include the demo version of that song, just to be naughty? Or how about Cabaret de Vaucheur, which is yet a, another just-as-compelling version of Belleville Rendezvous? Or simply damn the torpedoes and slip in the one where our man Benoit Charest plays a frickin' vacuum cleaner. As you know, Chaz, there's only 80 minutes on a standard, burnable CDR, and there can only be one per mix. Today, on a one-composer, original soundtrack-themed episode of Louder Than Sound, we're discussing the 2003 soundtrack to the film The Triplets of Belleville. Welcome to everyone's favorite show, Louder Than Sound. Our first and only question for the contestants is... What's louder than sound? Theoretical noise particulates from the 15th dimension? What's louder than sound? Uh, nothing, Alex, because of course this is a theoretical question. What's louder than sound? What is two brothers, who have mostly similar, but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, asking each other to listen to and absorb some of their favorite music albums based on idiosyncratic themes that they likewise force each other to consider? That's louder than sound. Welcome once again to Louder Than Sound, a podcast about music for people who like music by people who love music. I'm Charlie, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake, and today we are taking a look at Benoit Charest's Triplets of Belleville soundtrack from 2003. Our theme for this episode and the following episode is soundtracks. Hmm. And soundtracks are an interesting thing. They're such an integral part of movies and have been for such a long time at this point that a lot of artists, you know, a lot of times when you have artists that you've heard of, artists that you're interested in, uh, come along and will do their own score. So soundtrack might be a, like slightly misleading in this sense because I think we're actually looking more at a score. It's a one artist score. It's not music from elsewhere. They recorded all of it specifically for this project. Mm. Um, and But then the lines between score and soundtrack are pretty blurred sometimes. You yeah, I, I, I consider it the same. I don't know about you. I didn't I didn't pick one that was a traditional score, but I, I mm-hmm. on my list of possibilities, I definitely had like scores for movies because it was one the, composer. Yeah, but I think like sometimes it's very clear. Like I'll think of my kids love Frozen. Because yeah. they're children. Mm. Yes. Who, whose kids don't? And so therefore they have they have the Frozen and Frozen 2 soundtracks. Mm. And it's the Frozen one they have, the two disc edition, because oh. my wife hates me. <laughs> um, More music from Frozen. And so it's got like the big, it's a musical, it's got the big songs. So first you listen to the like seven or eight songs. Then it's like the pop versions of the songs, the yep. popular ones. Yep. And then it's the score after that. And okay. the score is very different than the songs in that right. case. Right. But there are other times where it's, and Triplets of Velva, I think, is one of those, where there are performed songs. It's a musical of sorts as well. Sort of, yeah. Sort of. 
but then there's also just purely mood score pieces in there also. And yeah, kind of blend yeah. Together. yeah. 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 So, Sprinkled in. With all of that in your brain rattling around, I mean, we you went for a pretty obscure choice. That is a movie I've seen, though not in a long time. But let's, okay. why don't you why don't you tell us more about it, Jake? All right. You, all right. Well, one of the things in. one of the things about soundtracks to movies is you got to at least give the movie a little a little bit of play. We're not we're not uh, you know movie files cinephiles necessarily on this podcast. Although although you Chaz are pretty you're pretty up there. You're pretty for silent it. films. I like silent films a lot. Yeah, I mean that's just that's as nerdy as you can get right there. Uh, I like mm. I like movies, but I love silent films. Says well, Chaz. Sure. Sure. <laughs> So I also I re- have a music podcast that I read with my brother. That's pretty dirty too. No, that's completely cool. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> the Triplets of Belleville, the movie, is a 2003 animated comedy film written directed by Sylvain Chaumet. Uh, it is his first feature film and was a kind of an international co-production among all these companies in the France, United Kingdom, Belgium, and Canada. Uh, tells the story of Madame Souza, an elderly w- woman who goes on a quest to rescue her grandson champion, a Tour de France cyclist, who has been kidnapped by the French Mafia for gambling purposes and taken to the city of Belleville, which is a smush up between New York City, Montreal, and Quebec City. She is accompanied by champions loyal and obese hound Bruno and joined by the triplets of Belleville, music hall singers from the 1930s whom she meets in the city and are basically the main characters, uh, the triplets of Belleville there. Um, sort of. Sort of. I, I mean, no, they're kind of like, yeah. they're like strong. So I haven't seen this movie in quite a, like right, years. Right. But I do remember liking it a lot when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's really, really quirky and really interesting. And it's, it's almost a silent film. Honestly, there's very little dialogue. Yeah, speaking of which, um, it is, uh, much of the narrative is actually conveyed through song and through pantomime. That mm. old, our old friend pantomime. <laughs> I um, I, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> Oft used pantomime. Uh, it's a it's a genuinely strange movie, and although like you, I haven't seen it since probably two thousand four or two thousand five at the latest, and I only saw it once. Um, I do remember enjoying it for both its ingenuity and kind of a sweet weirdness that it had going on. Mm-hmm. It's got a very unique and captivating animation style, and it's kind of mesmerizing, given that there's no yeah. like words and the plot is just completely bonkers. Um, well, it's it's really it's really like slow in a European sense of right. that word, not in a slow in a negative sense, but it's just it's not packed it in. It's 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 like a slowly unfolding. You get to the big chase scenes at the end, but it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't rush things. Yeah, that's for sure. In a, in a good way. Uh, it was the first PG thirteen rated movie to garner an Oscar nomination in the animated film category, uh, where it, <laughs> where it got uh, summarily curb stomped by Finding Nemo in that category. Well, sure. Yeah. And I remember, now I'm trying to remember, because there's there was like one reason why it's PG-13. Who is that? Oh, shoot. Because they have a bunch of like caricatures of famous artists okay. from the 30s with Triples of Belleville. And who is that? Oh, gosh. She's very briefly topless in the movie. And that was why it goes PG-13, the entire reason. Is that right? Yeah, who is? Oh, shoot. I'm going to look it, a, it up while you keep talking. Is it a French artist? You said it was French artist? Uh, I feel... I can't remember her. You keep talking. And I'm all right, all right, all right. Well, so uh, she's completely blanking on her name. Well, you figured out. Um, as I said, I saw the movie just once, fifteen or more years ago. Um, so the fact that it left any lasting impression on me at all is probably a good sign. I'll tell you what I have experienced many more times than that. Once since then, though, the original soundtrack to the movie, which received an Oscar nomination of its own for the song "Belleville Rendezvous." 
It got steamrolled by the freight train that was the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> The Return of the King, and its entry into the West, sung by Annie Lennox. Even And even though the live performance on the telecast of Belleville Rendezvous was colorful and delightful, it featured Sheree uh, himself, his then-wife Beatrice Bonifaci, who um, provided the voices for the triplets, and a dapper gentleman named Maxime Moran, who played percussion on a bicycle on the Grammy Awards. Uh, oh, yeah. The song, or excuse me, the Oscars. That was on the Oscars. Uh, I was going to say the song it's, uh, couldn't even win a Grammy Award, much less an Oscar, uh, which was, <laughs> oh, I know, which was because Annie Lennox came back and steamrolled it yet again on the Grammys this time, which, as you know, are held anywhere between two or three years after a song comes out. <laughs> so, like, they were feeling, they were feeling, you know, a little down, but, like, you know, Oscars is a pretty big thing. They're like, oh, for sure we got this Grammy in the bag. Nope. Um, this... Hey, I figured out who it was, by the okay, way. Okay, who? Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker, there you go. So, yeah, she is French. I didn't actually remember if she was French or not. There you go. But it's because she, she was famous for this costume of, like, a short skirt of bananas and a beaded necklace. Okay. And I don't remember if she was actually fully topless, but it you know, kind of gave that appearance anyway. And uh, it probably would be seen as pretty inappropriate for a variety of reasons now. It seems to play into kind of this, like... I mean, she she is black, or she was black, but yeah, I think it, it kind of plays into this like savage persona or the, something. The this, jungle, you know, the jungle thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Type thing. Okay, um, well, maybe that's why. And I don't, I'd have to read more about that. I don't really know any more about that, but she is in the movie. There's a, several different famous French performers early on in there. Her being one of them, and it's her being topless is the whole reason why it's PG-13. She's on for like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there you have it. Which in Europe, like, it's not a nudity. No, not no, 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 no. It's the United States. No, so. I'm sure it was. Whatever rating system they have over there, if they even right. care. If they even care about such things. Um, so the Triplets of Belleville soundtrack itself, rather than just the song, was honored with an award that makes the Grammys look like dime store plastic garbage trophies. <laughs> Which is what they everything are. Makes the, everything <laughs> makes the Grammy Awards look like that. That's what they are. Uh, it won the Cesar Award for Best Music Written for a Film, as well Darn as a, right. a Los Angeles Film Critics <laughs> Association Award for Best Music. So, take that, Grammys. I hope Annie Lennox uses the many of you she's undoubtedly won to water her plants or fashion an elaborate red wine drinking vessel. <laughs> I hope she turns them into electronic instruments somehow. <laughs> And bring us back. What's his name? The other guy from the Rhythmics. Dave yeah. Stewart. Respect. Dave Stewart. Sorry, sorry. I shouldn't have. Put some respect on his anyone's name. Anyone's names today. All the names are gone. And I hope <laughs> they have Baker. a very successful, a very successful Rhythmics comeback. So uh, Josephine Baker, Dave Stewart, and Andy Lennox walk into a bar. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, before, Go on. Before we get to the actual music on the soundtrack, though, uh, let's talk about the fella who made this film soundtrack possible. Our good friend, um, just because we've listened to his soundtrack, I guess, Benoit Charest. Ooh, just mm-hmm. listen to those sweet Parisian guitar noodles wafting through the air. Ooh, mm, do is, that, is that an accordion I hear? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I did learn how to say his name. It's it's Charest. It's like the beginning of uh, charades, except without the days at the end. Uh, Benoit is a bit of a savant, having learned the songs of the Beatles and Led Zeppelin by ear at the age of 13, and he earned a living through music school playing with jazz musicians in his hometown of Montreal. He's quite the film and score composer all around, even outside of his work on this film, having done his first in 91, and continuing with some well-regarded music on films such as a bunch of those that I've never heard of. Uh, They're all French, 
including Polytechnique, Route 132, a bottle in the Gaza Sea, which sounds very serious, whatever's in that bottle. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh, guaranteed. And Upside Down. He's also written music for over 60 commercials. So if you're afraid about him selling out, Chaz, well, he already did that. You don't have to worry. <laughs> he started anymore. That. That's what he started doing. <laughs> uh, he's won other awards for other music, especially for a sci-fi film called Mars et Avril, which I'm just assuming is Mars in April. Um, yeah. yeah like, I, th- I hear it's lovely. That no, Mar- it's probably March and April. Oh, March and April. There you go. Well, it's lovely mm-hmm. that time of year, no matter what. March is Mars. In French. Uh, but none, none have garnered him quite the attention that the triplets of Belleville did. So before sure. we start talking about the particulars of that soundtrack, I'm about to give some attention over to you, Chaz. Um, I know that you're familiar with the soundtrack and quite mm-hmm. possibly the movie it attends, as we discussed. And so I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about it. Um, our scoring system on Louder Than Sound which gives me the honorable duty of attempting to guess what, what you'll score the album on a scale from negative five, which is a garbage fire, to plus five, which is the greatest album of all time, mm-hmm. uh, is a bit different today because I happen to know that you really like it. But how much is the question? It is. I think it's right up your alley in that it's clever enough to appeal to your baseline nerdy film instincts, previously yep. discussed, but yep, danceable uh-huh. enough to make you shake that derriere Yep. I think you'll give it a cote sur cinq. For those of you who don't speak French, that's a meaty four out of five, a plus four. Wow. Uh, wow. Maybe not that high now that you're giving this thing, but that's I can't I can't change it now. <laughs> uh, what say you, Chaz? Am I close? Uh-huh. All right. So this was is an interesting one because the first album you picked that I'm already familiar with that I own this one. The literally first one. Yeah, of the ones wow. we've done on this show, it's the first one that I've I'm already like yeah that I've already. Familiar with. Yeah, nailed that. Actually, oh. Yeah, got it. I think my wife actually bought it, oh. to be honest. She likes soundtracks in general more than I do. I don't buy a lot of soundtracks, but Neither sometimes let's come along. But I do think the film's great. I think the soundtrack is great. I think the soundtrack goes along with it. It's very, uh, I wrote down that it's jaunty and whimsical. Mm-hmm. 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 It's very 30s, 40s, jazzy, and very French, um, reminiscent of Edith Piaf and in particular Django Reinhardt. Yeah, Django Reinhardt's all over this thing. Oh yeah, the guitar work oh, is man. very Django. In, in a big way. In a yeah. big way. Um there's acoustic guitar, string bass, drums are kind of underpinning most of the songs. There's tons of instrumentation. It's a lot of brass, a lot of pianos. Feels like kind of an old club plan. Wide instrumentation. I wrote I heard saxophones, clarinets, flutes, mallet percussion. A swab accordion. Oh, on very. Numerous tracks. Very swab. There's two different times, kinds of accordion. There's like the French accordion, oh, yeah. where like that guy's like attracting the ladies with an accordion. Definitely. And then there's like the American accordion, and it's like Weird Al Yankovic style, you know? Right. Polka. Where, kind of you stuff. know, it's un- unfairly nerdy, but it's nerdy. I was so, almost you know? wondering. I, I didn't. Um, I didn't do the. I didn't do the the specific research. But I was almost wondering if that was a different type of instrument altogether. That French accordion is that a breath instrument yeah. or is that an accordion instrument? Some of those you blow. I think it's an accordion. Some of those you blow I into. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, that's very missed, right. a, missed opportunity, Jake. Missed <laughs> opportunity. I should. I mean, if only I was hosting this podcast right now. Yeah, I mean, you could have really taken care of this. I guess. I didn't do that. All right. There's also, as you kind of alluded to, there's some very interesting non-instruments in this. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me a little bit, Jake, mm-hmm. of, I'm going to bring bring the audience back to your high school years at the very least. Yeah. And you're phrased into a stomp-style mm-hmm. ensemble with your friends. Very serious. 
in which <laughs> you guys played various non-instruments as percussion instruments. Yeah, big. Um, so you'd be like playing, you know, like trash cans and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, know, it was a trash. Like, it was I a don't trash know if stop band. is still a thing. It probably isn't. They moved on to Broadway or something. I don't know. Yeah, they're probably swimming in money. You know, the better to buy a bunch of you know, old tubs with or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, we did that. Not a lot, you know, it's a pretty low overhead and stuff, so that really helps things out. Well, I did you make no backdrop, and you got a bunch of garbage cans, literal garbage cans. That's right, and some sticks. You're going to break a lot and of after sticks. The show, you know, Bob from backstage just brings them back to his house, <laughs> and he, they, he puts the garbage in there. So it's really not a big deal. This is Bob's garbage can. Um, I did <laughs> anyway, almost. I don't know if it's actually inspired by that. Maybe they never heard of stop, but. There is, you alluded to one particular uh, song in particular called uh, Cabaret Hoover. Yes. Which features a newspaper, a fridge shelf, and a vacuum cleaner. That's it. And they play a vacuum cleaner. And I seem to recall at one point, I think I've seen Dribbles of Elva twice. Okay. And I think I watched it one time with our mother, who is a great, great appreciator of special features. Oh, man. Definitely watched a special feature about the making of the song Cabaret Hoover, in which okay. they were showing how they were, like, playing the vacuum cleaner and yeah. stuff. Yeah, And it was, it was, you know, it was, like, a fascinating, you know, seven-minute special feature, I'm sure. But it stuck with me, really. <laughs> get out that, uh, get out that Criterion collection of the old... <laughs> well, this one, de- this deserves Criterion collection. Just <laughs> it's probably on there, isn't it? Just saying, it's, I don't think it is, but Oh, come on, people. On there. Come on, Criterion. Uh, all right. The second half branched out into several other different styles. There's a very Italian, like, Italian song. There's kind of a surf-style song in yeah. there. Yeah. You know, that kind of 70s-sounding dramatic music. Feels like it could be like a 70s, a you know. noir kind of a thing. Or something. Yeah, noir. Kind of. um, and all of this, I like. There's a lot of interesting things going on there. Uh, now, one of the drawbacks to soundtracks in general is they're not designed to be albums. No. That's not the point. They're not. And so even if you take a lot of really good, discrete songs, when you put them together in the album, it doesn't always click together as an album. And it can be, end up being less enjoyable to listen to sometimes. And so this one I found just a little bit. Some of the incidental music isn't really as interesting to listen to on its own. No. If that works really well with the film. My other issue with this is the repetition evident in this. And it's clearly heightened by... Um, mm, the repetition, you say? Well, and that is, you know, and this is an amazing song, the Belleville Rendezvous. Oh, it's yeah. like the theme of the song, but it shows up no less than six times on yes, the soundtrack. That's true. It's, it's all the bridge, over the place. Belleville Rendezvous, French version, cabaret opening, Belleville Rendezvous demo, yeah. Belleville Jungle, and Belleville Rendezvous English version. Yes. And so in an album that's only about 15 minutes long, it's not like it's in a two-hour album, like that does get a little, even though it's a great song, it gets a little old to hear the same theme over and over and over yeah, and over yeah. again. Okay. Sure. When two of them are the exact same, you know, two of them are the exact same uh, background backing music too. It's just different vocals. So that was uh, that brought a little points up too. So I really like it, but I did not give it a four. Yeah, four is pretty and strong. I'm realizing. Pretty strong. Pretty okay. strong. Came in with a two. Okay, two, two, two. Still quite positive. I quite enjoy this one. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's probably more. That's probably more. Uh, that makes more sense now that I hear you talk about it. I yeah. thought maybe I thought maybe for whatever reason it was like a kind of a classic in your mind from back well, then. Well, sir, but... I, I'm, I do want to mention, Jake, that I put this on a mixed CD for you. Yeah. In the early 2000s. Yeah. I put Cabaret Hoover on one. Of course, I remember. Everyone was putting. I mean, everyone that was anyone was shoving <laughs> triplets of Belleville like songs. I, I would like to think that I did it before you. I don't remember. I, I have no so idea. That was a mix that I made when I visited you after your first son was born. Oh, I definitely was doing it before then. 
No, oh, all right. Yeah, I remember sending uh, sending mixed CDs in like 2005 or four. Like definitely pre kids. Okay. The only reason I know all that right. is because okay. well, I'm hey, like I'm hey, talking hey, 2007. Hey. That's Whoa. a little out there, you know. 2007. Like, I mean, I was. Skip is you. you know? I was so done with triplets of Belleville by then. I mean, it was so yesterday for me. Mm-hmm. Ah, just kidding. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Uh, uh, the music. I want uh, you to know, oh. Jake. One last thing is that that same mix featured a song from the next soundtrack they were doing. Is and that it's total, correct? Total complete coincidence. What? The same mix. Yep. Whoa. We'll talk about that later. Let's let's not talk about that now. That's too much. No, let's save that. That's too much. Yeah, All right. Uh, let let me talk about the music yeah, from the triplets it. of Belleville. Um, I find the music is very serious and well constructed. And sounds excellent and clean, but more importantly, is just really fun. It's like a yeah. fun thing. There are tons of little parodies in the movie itself, and therefore in the score. And this is a symptom of what makes this soundtrack pretty unique, as the film and the music were inspired by each other and developed in concert with one another. Mm-hmm. So rather than an original film vision being filled in with the appropriate music afterwards, uh, the filmmaker Chomet and Chauray worked side by side as the movie was being <laughs> I just realized Chomet and Charay. Hey guys. Uh, as the movie Hey guys, hey BFFs. As the movie was being animated and it became a little bit of a chicken and egg situation. Like which which thing came first? Sure, sure. Uh, because Chomet has said in interviews that he wanted to capture something of what made Charay's music so exciting and playful. So what you see and hear when the song Triplets of Belleville is playing which I sort of thought were various stages of the demo through the final product process. So the, uh, some of the main characters are triplets, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making their way through whatever plot is actually happening by developing <laughs> different versions of the main theme song. So they okay. start with the fountain sound version, which is like the, you know, the big bang of the song. Under the bridge. Yep, the under the bridge one. Um, they, you know, with, they cycle in through the bicycles and the vacuum cleaners, um, and they end up at the end decked out in full roaring, you know, 20s or 30s regalia when the song is complete, quote-unquote, and ready for its big unveiling. Because there's, sort of con- no, there's some sort of concert at the end of the... At the... Wasn't there... I feel like there's a, a flashback at the very beginning, isn't there? Is Again, there a, I haven't I seen this in a long time. And that's what I feel like, because Django Reinhardt, if I met, I remember he, he shows up. Like, he's one of the... He's in there. There's these different French celebrities at the time, including Josephine Baker. I know Django Reinhardt's in there, too. And I kind of wonder if, like, Edith Piaf would make a lot of sense to be in there as well. Yeah. But I thought that was at the beginning, like, kind of like a flashback to the Triplets of Elville when they were, you know, in their prime. Because now they're not, you know, they're... When the right, right. Takes, they're, they're old. They're old. They're quite old. Well, I thought the first scene was them like under the bridge, but I don't know. Yeah, which I probably should have watched the movie. I could have. Uh... You should have watched the movie again, Jake. <laughs> I know it's a good it. movie. Talked about how good it is. You could have just watched it, you know. All right. Well, this is all speculation, as you know, going forward. <laughs> don't listen to me. It's all our, you know, fading memories from fifteen years ago. That's right. Ago. I listened to the that soundtrack. Movie that we saw that one time. I listened to the soundtrack several times. Uh, at the same time, you have all of these other styles and themes playing out in increasingly witty and sort of difficult to parse plot devices. So dark noir music plays while the inexplicable French mafia detectives are after them. Um, and lounge music in the style of Elvis, because there's these French Elvis impersonators mm-hmm. uh, in the movie, briefly, you know, doing whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. Um, as for the infamous vacuum cleaner, which has its own entire song on the soundtrack, which you referenced... Um, Charay tells a story on NPR about looking around his room for inspiration during the, the process of the, the soundtrack and deciding on the vacuum cleaner for the simple reason that he felt oddly emotional about it. 
<laughs> he said that he felt that objects might actually like being treated like people and that they too may enjoy being handled and cared and paid attention to. So as he say, he uh, just watched Toy Story recently with his kids. Feeling weird. like all inanimate <laughs> objects around him were actually secretly alive. I was feeling guilty about I'm it. I was wondering if they were lonely <laughs> during the time. So um, as he's, let's just say it, he was fondling the vacuum cleaner, and I guess uh, he spontaneously started making uh, the makings of a frankly brilliant multi-track song on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in case you were wondering, the vacuum cleaner indeed made it onto the performance at the Oscars. So, oh, awesome. Uh-huh. Good. So, big day for vacuum cleaners. Uh, truly oh. truly top of the pops for the otherwise and unloved appliance. Oscar's performance since. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you've Open seen it. Open the floodgates to a whole new world. You've of seen them. Vacuum, vacuum cleaners everywhere. Who have swept the Grammys for wow. the last or at 17 least, years. Or at least replaced the broom as the sweeping <laughs> metaphor for the Grammys. <laughs> Uh, Genre-wise, the soundtrack is probably classifiable mostly as jazz or swing jazz, Mm -hmm. but it's also overwhelmingly French-sounding due to the various accordions and smoky jazz halls, and of Mm -hmm. course, what little lyrics there are, um, the spoken words are in French. So there's very little to nothing here that resembles a traditional movie score, I don't think. Uh, Like all of John Williams or something like that. Oh, yeah, nothing Uh, like that. There are themes, sure, but the motifs of the movie move so quickly and far and rarely return to similar themes or even characters, and especially places, that the score moves to without repeating itself. Um, This is all accepting, of course, Belleville Rendezvous, the song, which is developed multiple times and is the clear centerpiece of the soundtrack. Yes. Um, As for my personal feelings about this type of soundtrack, I'm not necessarily like a big fan of one-composer soundtracks. I have a few lying around, um, but for the most part, Um, They are more cohesive than this. So this is a bit of a nitpick I have with it, Um, such as with, like, Thomas Newman's American Beauty, which all sounds kind of, it's it's of a piece. Um, I'm a little bit more into various uh, various artists' original soundtracks overall. Like, I've enjoyed Tarantino's soundtracks and more like that for their eclecticism. Sure, sure. Or like a Wes Wes Anderson type or Sofia Coppola. Totally, yep. That's I for, thought about all of them when we talked about the yeah. soundtrack idea before we settled on one single artist. Yeah, but that's for a future those, I feel like those three, Quentin Tarantino and Wes Anderson and Sofia Coppola, they're like, you know, a newer, so they kind of came up all in similar times and that that style of bringing in all this amazing music that totally. changes the songs. That's right, and that's all, exist, that's all existing music. Well, not all, but, yeah. but close to it. Um, so for the triplets of Belleville and my scoring of it, um, I enjoy it. It really moves around between various styles and moves very rapidly. It's a very fun listen, and I know that sounds simple, but I keep coming back to that description. Um, The found sound stuff, the bicycle, the vacuum cleaner, the French Elvis impersonators, um, they all add up to a kind of a quote-unquote fun experience. So if I'm critiquing it, I'd say it's pretty lightweight at times, and I found it, after a couple listens recently, to be like a bit twee, and occasionally Mm -hmm. a little too precious for my taste. Okay, wow. Uh, in fact, the more I listened to it, the more precious it seemed, and even a little dated, mm-hmm. just a little dated in a way that like the indie scene was was like at the time. I'm thinking like she and him and stuff like that, like stuff I really like, but yeah. but like it's just a little too like uh, I don't know. Precious is the word I kept coming back. Uh, the extreme and sudden stylistic shifts may work against it in a way, as sometimes I want my movie score experience to give me a little bit more gravity and a little bit more continuity. And the well, tr- who sounds pretentious now? Yeah, Jake? this guy. This guy. That guy. I have two thumbs as well. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is that I just don't put on movie scores almost ever. Like, almost ever. 
I feel like I have many more moods to match with ambient music yeah. or jazz or even classical. I, I listen to more than more than soundtracks. Um, but to get back to my original thesis, there's just no denying the song Belleville Rendezvous. It's due. Yeah, I think that true. song lifts all the boats and serves as a nice centerpiece. And I'm positive that's why I own the soundtrack at all. Um, it's a special and attractive song. It seems to never get old for me. Um, lends itself to various styles and contexts. And really gets my rump shaking, Chaz. Not gonna... My derriere. Just, <laughs> just shaking. Uh, I don't want to picture that. No. You go well, on. Uh, you have to now. Uh, <laughs> and I think I think that makes it unique amongst especially single artist movie scores. I probably put it on six or seven mixed CDs for different people. from wow. uh, From that magical children Holy. and streaming free time of my life. I was kind of like obsessed with letting people know, you know, that I... How cool, how I was, cool you are. Yeah, how cool I was. You know, what... I was very, very into making mixed CDs back then, like even more than yeah. I am now. Uh, and I today I still score it a two point five out of five. Hey. So we're right, we're kind of aligned there. This is the closest that we've had. So I think far. so too. I think so yeah. too. Man, what was I thinking? I must have had one too many beers thinking you'd give it a four. Yeah, no, that's pretty. That's like yeah, almost classic status. Well, what oh, are we gonna yeah. do? Hey, I can't get a time machine and go back in time. Can I Plus, do? if you did, would you really waste your time on this? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, coming up next week on Louder Than Sound, we will be doing another soundtrack. You but know instead, it. Of, instead of the obscure uh, soundtrack that Jake picked to an obscure movie, we're going to do an even <laughs> more obscure one yeah. from me, except by a well known artist. I'm going to be looking at Bjork's Drawing Restraint 9 Oof. from 2005. Yeah. A movie so obscure that I have not ever seen it and cannot figure out how to see it, indeed. No, does it, no, does it look like you'd want to? to be Interesting to be soundtrack, nonetheless. And For we sure. will be enjoying that next time on Louder Than Sound. <laughs>